Hi, welcome to Cycling Talk Podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. Today I am joined by road and track Paralympian Finn Graham. Finn was born with two club feet, but he has never let that stop him from achieving incredible things when racing all over the world. It was amazing to hear his story. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Thank you for joining me today, Finn. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. What's your first memory of being on a bike? Um, I think my first memory of being on a bike is at Mountain Bike Trails Glentress. Um, I don't know if you've come across them because I grew up I grew up in the borders and from before we could walk, we were going with with our parents and like one of them would kind of be looking after me and my brother whilst the other one would be riding and they'd be kind of like swapping. But then as we kind of got a bit older, we'd we'd work our way onto the bikes. Um, and it was just from, from that point, it was like I kind of fell in love with it and everything about bikes. But no, Glentress Glen is definitely the first first kind of memory from from bikes. What's the first bike you remember being really excited about? Um, I think, I can't remember how old it was. I think it was for my eighth birthday. I got a specialised hard rock, I think it was. And I think it was the first bike that had like hydraulic disc brakes and kind of like proper suspension. Um, and like, obviously that's kind of, it's old now, but 26 inch wheels. It was kind of the first kind of like pro- proper bike that, I had and I was just yeah really excited to kind of get it because I was able to do more stuff on it than kind of previous bikes that I'd had. I understand that you were born with two club feet can you tell me what this means and how it affects you? Yeah so basically um, when I was when I was born obviously I've got um, severe bilateral talipes and I've got that in both legs and then when I was 13 weeks old I had an operation to basically try to correct it um and to the point on the left foot where I don't need to wear like an orthotic or a splint or anything whereas on my right foot I still need to because I've not got any movement in that foot at all like even when I kind of try and move the foot it's basically fused like it's really weird I can move the toes sideways which kind of like I'm not able to do that on my other foot but that's all I can kind of move of my right foot and then on my left foot it's a bit better to the point where I don't need, don't need an orthotic, but it's still like just limited movement. Um, and my right leg, there's like I'm building up what I can of it, but there's barely any calf muscle in, in either of my legs. Um, but to be fair, it's like I've I've not known any difference. I don't I don't know what how it's like if it's affecting me at all. Like it was it was quite nice. Like my parents, they never really let me use it as an excuse. Um, and to give credit to them, they never kind of like wrap me in cotton wool and kind of discourage me from everything anything they they basically kind of encouraged me to do everything that I wanted to do um and when I was in primary I remember like I don't remember but my mum reminds me quite often that one of the PE teachers wanted to give me a head start which obviously I was well up for um in like a running race but then my mum kicked off massively no she, she should be getting the same treatment as like everyone else basically um which obviously at that age I wanted the head start because I wanted to win, but <laughs> um, I, I, but yeah, no, it's kind of it's 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 been it's, I've I've had a very kind of fortunate upbringing with it not kind of preventing me from doing anything really. Were you able to do lots of different sports growing up? Yeah, um, and I think again, it's kind of 
my parents they've they've been really sporty as well so I've kind of just followed in their footsteps like in the winter we go skiing um living in the highlands of Scotland it kind of was really good for for doing outdoor sports like in the winter you've got the Cairngorms and all, all the like slopes around there and then obviously mountain bike and then at school you just kind of do do whatever sport like I played kind of football at school you do like sport women and all that stuff like I wasn't very good at any, like those but I kind of I still I felt like I was good at them and I was just kind of do, do, doing but yeah I'm just generally I'm kind of a massive fan of sport and whenever I get an opportunity to do one I'll kind of take that. So as you got into cycling did you join a local club? Yes um, I think it was there was just like so in the town of Strapetra where I was living um there was like a local bike shop and they just had a like a club and a race team and which was called square wheels and from from that point that like most most weeks there'd be kind of like meeting up and kind of going out for rides and then as i got older it kind of turned into kind of going out for training rides and everything but um i think it's it's really helped kind of having local clubs because it just makes makes the riding a lot more enjoyable when you've got kind of like friends and people to kind of do it with because it's nice going out by yourself but it's nicer with other people. Do you remember your first race? I don't remember my first race. I think I was probably about seven when I did my first race. Uh, I remember what race it was, uh, and it was it was at Glentress actually. It was kind of like a weekend event. There was like it was I can't remember what age it went up to. I'll say like under sixteens. I think it went up to, but it was kind of like a two day like event where there was like a cross country race, a hill climb, a downhill race, like a crit um all kind of like mountain bike racing um and again that was that was a highlight of my year like I loved mm. like even though I was getting my head kicked in like I loved the racing aspect like I loved kind of the I, I don't know I, I don't know what it was but like I think I just liked the kind of environment of it and the atmosphere um and I'd like I'd probably come last and then but I'd be kind of like so excited and I want to do it again um and then I think it was it was a very long time before I won my first race but then again that feeling was just like mental um but yeah definitely there, there was more often than not that I got my head kicked in than actually kind of doing well in a race. <laughs> At 16 you did the 24-hour solo draft puffer uh can you tell me more about what this event is? Um <laughs> it's it's just mental like so it's in uh, in the middle of the Scottish winter essentially in the middle of January 24 hour mountain bike race obviously the like I think there's like 17 hours of darkness or something in 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 the 24 hours and I decided that it would be a good idea to do it solo for some reason um and I it was like I think it wasn't long after as well like I'd had a kind of operation on my foot to kind of or, or on my toe because it was kind of um have an issue but so I was like I kind of set myself as a challenge to kind of get back on the bike and go oh I'll do it do it solo at only 16 and then it started it just turned into a massive mud fest like it was it wasn't like like most years it's kind of like snow or ice but this year it was like it was warmer but which meant it just turned into like cloggy mud and people were kind of having to jump off the bikes and kind of push push through all the mud but essentially yeah you're racing there's a couple of hundred people on on the track at one point it's like a seven mile lap or something i think um 
going over kind of loads of different terrain like fire road, single track and all that. And essentially, yeah, you're basically just trying to kind of do as many laps in the 24 hours as possible. And I don't really remember much of it because I think I just kind of went onto autopilot mode um, and just kind of ticking off the laps. But I think it was, I was doing all right, I think until like three or four in the morning when it just hit me and I just like, I was swinging so hard. Like, <laughs> um, my dad kind of came out on, la- on a lap with me to kind of basically help me out a bit. And I was look like he was riding off up ahead and I was kind of falling asleep on my bike and it was such a horrendous situation to be in. And then I'd come come back into the pits to get a bit of food before going out on a lap again and I'd kind of like sitting down on the grass bank and my mum was basically kind of like picking up and picking me up and putting me back on my bike and going, you'll, th- you'll thank me later for it. And I was like, oh. at that point, the last thing I wanted to do was kind of get on the bike, but it was it was definitely um, useful. And then I rode, there was like a Marshall point halfway around the course and I got to that and I just, they had a packet of wine gums that I just smashed. Um, and <laughs> and that got that got me to the end, basically. That got me around, like, the minute the sun started to rise, you're like, right, okay, we're nearly, we're nearly at the finish. There's only, like, a couple hours left. And from that point, you're kind of, it gives you that morale to get, get, get to the end. But, yeah, no, it was, now that I've done it, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Sounds like a great experience to have it. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's definitely it's kind of one of them races that it's good to kind of tick off. Um, and I think I've ended up finishing tenth or something in the end out of over like a hundred riders doing it solo. So yeah, that that was that was a nice kind of added bonus. But yeah, no, it was there was definitely kind of bleak points during the night. But looking back at it, it was it was some kind of sick fun that I had. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the first time that you rode on the track and what made you want to try it? Um, yeah, the first time that I rode on the track was, again, the kind of club and team that I was riding for at the time, the Ben Wivis Cycle Club. They'd organised a trip down to the Sir Chris Hoy Velodrome in Glasgow because I think it only just opened at that point. And I think Scottish Lycan were basically just inviting like clubs from the different regions to kind of come and have a go. And I think, what year was that? I think it was like 2012 or something that was. Um, so there, there was a bunch of us, like Fink Rocket, he was part of the club as well. So we all kind of, we went down to have a go on the Chris Velodrome. And again, I was wearing, like, looking back at the pictures, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> like, I was in Lycra that was far too big for me. I was in, like, I was wearing a helmet with a peak, like I was wearing a mountain bike helmet. Like it was just, it was all, all bad, but, <laughs> um, and, but the experience, like, it was just like, again, it's like something that you've, you never realize how steep the velodrome is until you're actually like in it for yourself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, the whole experience, it was, it was quality, like coming from a mountain bike background, I was like, I was kind of speculative as to whether I would like enjoy it, but it was, it was so much fun. Um, and again, at that point, it was like a big period of time before I went on again. But it was like it was such a such a cool experience and getting to get to ride a different bike, like with no brakes and kind of no you couldn't freewheel. It took a little bit of getting used to. But once you were kind of riding around the top of the track, it was like the, the adrenaline rush was kind of crazy. How did you first get involved with British cycling? Um, so. In 2016, I was kind of 
getting to the point in the mountain bike racing where I kind of race racing the Scottish cross country series, and again, it kind of was getting to the point where there was when you're younger, the gap's not as big, but as I was getting older, I was starting to kind of see a bigger gap in kind of mm. abilities between me, me and others. Um, so I was kind of starting to look at it and not, not kind of not enjoy it. I was still really enjoying it, but kind of thinking that maybe I wasn't going to be able to get a career from cycling. Um, even though that was always my kind of my dream. Um, I, I always wanted to be a professional cyclist. So I'd, I'd left school in the summer of 2016 and then I'd kind of gone out to America for two months, basically just as a kind of like figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and then wh- when I got back, the real Olympics and Paralympics were on whilst we were out there. So I was watching watching that. And I think as I got back, I was just like, I'll just send, send an email to British Cycling and figure out, like at this point, I didn't even know if I would qualify for paracycling because I'd been brought up racing able-bodied races, I had no idea what the kind of like procedure was to become a para rider, whether I would even classify and all that that stuff. Um, so I just sent an email off, basically going, "What's what's the kind of situation? What do I need to do to kind of test, try out, and stuff?" Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically got back to me saying. Each a couple of times a year we have like testing days where you basically come and do a power test and then we look at that and then from there we decide whether you come onto the foundation squad or not. Um so I was like brilliant, like sign me up, where do I kind of where do I sign? Um and they were like, right, in October 2016, this was we've got one in Derby. Um so I was like, amazing, I'll come, I'll come to that. So like my dad, my dad drove me down to that. Um, again, I had no idea what what to expect. Mm. Um, I'd never done a power test in my life. I like hadn't kind of trained for like trained with any sort of what's the word? Any like I never had a training plan or anything. It was always just kind of like our local club coach basically kind of drilling like telling us what to do. But it was never on a day to day basis. So I rock up to this, put put the road bike in the turbo, and it's basically just kind of. They're like go as hard as you can for this like the three uh, six second three minute and twelve minute test it was, um, so I was doing that and again during during the tests I was like I have no idea whether I'm going going good or not whether it's kind of like what what they want or but basically you just you do it and then finish and then a couple weeks later they they're like oh we kind of uh, we like what we saw basically um, we want to invite you back for like a retest. And I was like, oh, amazing. So I go to that. And then from there, I then get on the foundation, the foundation squad. But it wasn't until January 2017, my first, my first para race was track nationals mm-hmm. in Manchester 2017. And I'd gone to that, I, I think on the Thursday, I, I went to get classified. And again, I was going into it kind of pretty nervous because I was like, what if I don't even kind of classify as as a power athlete, I'd never kind of seen seen myself as as disabled. Almost, it's a weird kind of like term to use. But so I originally I was classified as a C four, um, and that's now changed to a C three. But um, so yeah, go to do track nationals as my first my first power racing again. I rock up without a skin suit. I didn't have any disc wheels on. I didn't have an aero helmet or anything. And it was like coming from a mountain biking background into a track back it was just a completely different like environment and I kind of almost had to learn to ride a bike again um 
it was just such a such a different um yeah kettle of fish basically but yeah it was kind of from that original testing day in derby is what what kicked it all off i think it's just crazy that your first track race was track nationals yeah yeah no it was and the my i, I remember because at that point obviously now i do a three kilometer pursuit but because i was classified uh, classified as a c4 it was a four kilometer pursuit and again no idea about pacing no idea kind of what gear to use going out and i was like i didn't know who he was at the time but george peasgood was on the other side of the track to me and he caught me and lapped me i don't know however many times but it was again just kind of like it was a proper kind of like wake up call and like yeah this is going to be this is going to be hard but i was i was well up for it and well excited for the challenge so 2017 was your first year competing on the track can you tell me about sort of learning what track disciplines uh, you wanted to ride? Yeah, um, essentially the the Paralympic events for for para athletes are the one kilometer time trial, the three kilometer or four kilometer pursuit, depending on what classification you are, and team sprint. Um, so it's basically there's not much choice really of of what we've got to ride it's essentially you're doing you're doing a kilometer and the pursuit basically is what what you've the choices you've got um but from from day one i was training at the glasgow velodrome and dave daniels he was a massive massive help to kind of get me started obviously like he was helping me out massively with starting out the gate getting used to that um and then obviously as i kind of progressed like kind of learning learning how to do a pursuit learning what I need to do to like get the right gear and all that and it was again it was like so much kind of to learn but it was such a good such a good environment to be able to do that again with with the foundation squad we had like Andy Pink as our foundation coach um and a couple of times a year we'd have kind of camps that we'd go to and we get like British Cycling like basically kind of tutoring us and it was such a such a good thing to have for for a new rider or for a new kind of track rider coming through learning learning what I need to do basically to kind of make those next steps to get on to the full-time program but even just to kind of get better at riding the track. When we watch the events they obviously talk a lot about the different uh, classifications was that difficult to understand when you first started competing? Yeah, and there's still times I kind of like you can't like there's just so many different categories and you kind of again like people are guilty of it looking and going they should be in that category or such and such but it's a whole just kind of like nuclear minefield basically like um but essentially there's C one to five is the solo kind of categories um there's tandem which is B one. There's trike T1 and T2, and then hand bikes, which are H3 to H5. I think I might be wrong. There might be H1 and H2, but um, there's a whole kind of raft of different classifications, essentially, which means, yeah, dur- during a race weekend, there's so many different racing going on, but it's like it's mental to see, like, there's some hand bikers who are just putting out some outrageous numbers with their arms. And you're looking and going, I can't even do that with my legs. Like, what what is happening? <laughs> like, that's not fair. But then, and then again, like 
I've, I've ridden the trike a couple of times and you'd think that'd be easy to do, but it's the most unstable bike I've ever ridden. Like, yeah, it feels like you're just going to like tip over going around any kind of corners, but, um, and then riding the tandem, I rode on the back of one and it was not like, I'd much rather be, I'd much rather be in control. I, like, yeah. Um, so, but no, it's, it's definitely interesting to kind of learn about all the different, different categories. Um, and again, the more you're in it, the more you kind of begin to understand it. But there's still times where my head kind of gets fried a little bit about what's what's going on. But yeah. You were also competing on the road as well as the track. And you won the British Cycling National Paracycling Road Circuit Race Championships. Uh, what do you remember about that race? Um, again, that was kind of my first first year racing on the road. Um, it was, again, a completely different different like fitness level to being on the mountain bike just to require completely different like physical capabilities but yeah coming into the race um I was I was confident but I th- again it was kind of like in the mountain biking scene I'd been so far off winning a nationals that I was kind of going into it going if I can if I can get on the podium that'll be like a great starting point from like for building up towards to winning a nationals um but then in the race, like I was feeling like feeling really good, and it basically basically kind of I don't really, again I don't really remember much because it was a little while ago. But it came down to a sprint, and I knew that I had um, I think it was Matty Robertson that came second, and at that point, coming from a mountain bike background, I knew that I had uh, like a good sprint, so I was able to basically like use use that to my advantage and and take the win and I crossed the line and again I, cu- I couldn't believe it it was like winning nationals at my first well first road attempt at trying it um it was like it was crazy and get getting to pull on pull on the jersey was like an unreal unreal experience and something that's like even even now it's still so good to pull on the national champs jersey when you win it you competed in the paracycling road world cup in Ostend was that your first international race? Yes, and I got my head kicked in like <laughs> like I used to get in the biking races. Um, again, I knew that it was going to be a kind of baptism of fire, but it was like I remember getting the email from from British Cycling basically saying we want you to come out and race race the World Cup in in Belgium, and I was I was so excited that. It was kind of my first first experience at race racing abroad, and I couldn't I couldn't wait for it. I get out um, again. I didn't have didn't have a TT bike at this point. Um, I think I just had like the clip on extension bars for like on the road bike. And in the time trial, I think I think I was like eight minutes down in the winner or something. Um, so actually, sorry, going back to the start of that trip, that was when I was reclassified to a C three. So going out to Belgium, um, originally when I was classified as a C4, they were like, there are things that you could, like, if you provide more evidence, you could be classified to a C3. So I kind of took all that out to get an international classification, which I was then put to a C3. So I was kind of racing in the category below C4. Um, And so, yeah, coming into the race, I was, like, proper nervous again. I didn't really, like, I hadn't set myself any goals or targets because it was my first race. I was just using it using it as a benchmark to see what what had happened and I can't remember what position I came in but yeah I was like eight minutes down in the time trial um 
which it's not like again keep keep referring to it but coming from a mountain bike background it's not the kind of my strong point and then in the road race I was able to stay with the front group for a little while but then it split and I think I I can't remember where I finished, but I was like a couple minutes down on on the kind of main main group there. Um, but it was such a like such an exciting experience and one that I wanted to like continue doing. And again, you kind of getting to race like at, at a World Cup level is is an amazing experience. And you know, obviously, it's kind of the first time you do it, you have no idea what to expect. But that kind of I realised how good the level was. And what I was going to need to do to kind of make make that step up to be able to become competitive and start challenging for podiums and start challenging for wins. How did you find the amount of travelling that you had to do? I know that you were doing a lot of track in Manchester. Were you spending a lot of time away from home? Yes, very much so. Um, to begin with, before I moved to Manchester, obviously being based in the Highlands, there's no velodrome at all. Um, the the nearest track was in Glasgow, which is three and a half four hours away, and I was having to um, to begin with. I was getting down, getting the train really early on the Wednesday morning, going down and taking part in a like paracycling session at the velodrome for three hours, and then getting the train back on the Wednesday night. And it was such a long day because it's like you're travelling for twice as long as you're actually on the track for. And what you don't realise, obviously, at the time, you're just really kind of enjoying the whole situation. But I was just getting no recovery at all. Um, and then, like, for the rest of the week, I was having to fit training around working, um, like working in Tesco and all that. But then I then got onto, like, the Scottish Cycling Programme, where they were helping me out. Um, again, I was staying, I was able to find kind of places to stay down in Glasgow. So I was able to stay for a bit longer, which made made it a lot more worthwhile trips. I was going down like Tuesday morning, doing gym and track and then track league and all that kind of stuff. And then going home like Thursday night, Friday morning, which definitely like even at that point, I was kind of starting to get more quality training in because I wasn't traveling as much, but I was still having to like come up and down the country each week. Um, And then, yeah, there was all the kind of foundation camps on the squad were down in Newport and that was just just like that's such a trek to get to from from the Highlands as well and I couldn't drive at this point and I was having to kind of get the trains down with bikes and bags and everything it just like it became such a kind of hard challenge but again it was one that I was willing to do because I knew that like it was something that I wanted to do but then when I could drive it didn't make it easier but it was still having to kind of do the same distance of traveling um and then there was camps in Manchester and Derby, so there wasn't there wasn't anything close. But that was something that I definitely realised when I moved to Manchester was how much I missed out on the recovery and how much it actually like makes a difference. And I know it's kind of easy to say like, oh, like recovery is important, but you don't actually realise until you're you've got it how important it is. Because um, again, even without the travelling, even at home, I was having to like go out for like a four hour ride and then I go for like an eight hour shift in Tesco or something and I'd be standing up for those those eight hours and it's just like stuff that you don't really kind of think about when you're doing it because you're just excited to doing it but looking back it was not ideal but it was all kind of part of the sacrifice that needed to be made. You had a huge road and track calendar in 2018. How did you manage all of this training and racing? 
Um, again, yeah, I just like I love I love racing. Racing's a bit that kind of like I really look forward to each each month, each week, kind of whenever there's there's an opportunity to race, I'll I'll do it. Um, and then I think again, I've been on the foundation squad for just over a year by this point, so I think I was kind of starting to get used to the training load. I was starting to be able to kind of push it up a bit. It got to the point where I was kind of starting to see kind of noticeable gains and things because I was like, I was going to the gym, I was getting quality track sessions, I was getting good road, good road miles in. Um, and it was all kind of starting to go in the right direction. And that, and again, going going back to Ostend, my, where my first World Cup race was, I could see in the time trial, I was a lot closer to the, like the winner, like, I, I think I was saying a lot closer. I was still probably about five minutes, four minutes off. But you can start to see gains being made. And then in the road race, I think I finished eighth, but it was a sprint finish for the win, basically. Um, so you can see kind of progress being made, which is like, it's all kind of really good to see, which then got me selection for the World Championships in 2018, which, again, that was another just milestone that I couldn't believe it like getting to getting to wear GB kit for the first time um getting to represent the country in in Italy for the world champs um and yeah be, ha- having that experience it was it was just it's yes something else and it's all just like crazy that it's all happening so quickly um and I felt like I was in a really good good point at the end of like coming into the 2019 season but like again, even by the end of 2017, I'd had like a year of training and I was kind of starting to make noticeable kind of gains. But then on my 18th birthday, I walk into the bathroom, I kind of collapse on the floor and I spent my first week of 18 being in hospital essentially, which is not kind of how you want to like start your 18th year. And basically I was diagnosed with lupus, which was kind of my immune system kind of not being able to distinguish what's good and what's bad. Um, I was like, I've lost 10 kilos, which I've not really got 10 kilos to lose. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't really know what it was, but it was kind of, I was looking at it and going, would, would I be, would I kind of race again, essentially? Um, would I, would I ride again? Would I be able to like compete again? And I was in hospital for a week and then I was off the bike for like, a month and a half or something basically just kind of trying to kind of regain fitness and everything um and that was at the end of 2017 and there was a there was a track race I think in December that basically it was like an international C1 in Manchester and essentially I kind of set that as a target to myself just to get back on the bike for whether I was going to be competitive and like just doing it to get back into racing to have something to kind of focus on and a goal to like achieve basically um so that was what I like I then went to that and did did a lot better than what I expected but I kind of like proved to myself that I was kind of ready to kind of press on again and that was then coming into the 2018 year where I I was able to kind of yeah get get selection for worlds and then get a top 10 in the road race and then 10th or 11th in the time trial mm. but again experiencing the whole world situation where you've got like people massaging you you've got people doing bottles for you. It's all just stuff that you're not used to at all. Um, and again, it's something that's like, yeah, no, I definitely kind of, I want more of that. Um, and then a couple of months later, I got an email basically saying, 
we want you to join the full-time programme in Manchester. And yeah, from from that point, it was like no no hesitation. It was always, I was always going to move down to Manchester for it. And then, yeah, so kind of end of 2018 was when I basically became full-time cyclist. And then in January 2019, you competed in the British National Champs and you won the C3 Individual Pursuit and the C3 One. Yeah. Can you tell me how it felt to compete there and win those events? Yes, it was, again, win, winning nationals. It's always, it's always an amazing, amazing achievement. Um, I was coming into it off the back of two weeks beforehand. We had an international in Manchester and I'd, I'd won won the racing there which I was like I was really kind of coming into it with a lot of confidence um and I was able to back up the performances I did a couple of weeks beforehand I think again looking back at it the start of 2019 it was what happened like going to Apple or track worlds the whole um that whole period of time even though I didn't medal I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to me because from those C1 races and those national races, I was like, I, I was getting like proper confident that I was going to go to my first track worlds and basically just wipe the floor. And I think the kind of like social media kind of like British Cycling where there was a lot of stuff kind of like backing that up and kind of encouraging that almost. And I was getting like, I, I was getting like interviews for it and everything. And I was like proper excited to kind of go and basically I was kind of going expecting to win the the pursuit the kilo and the scratch and I went and I didn't win any of them but I think it was the the best thing that's ever happened to me because I I got into a bronze ride off in the pursuit um and lost it which was again that was such a like painful experience um especially I was I was the third quickest qualifier essentially and then finished fourth which I said to myself at that point, like that's never happening again. Like if if I'm in that situation, I'm not I'm not going to lose it. And I think yeah, the, the squad the squad around me definitely kind of helped me in that situation because yeah, it was I was going into it with a lot more confidence than I should have. But I think it was good that it happened because it kind of knocked me down a couple of pegs, and I was able to be like again. I was going into it going yeah no like the world champs is like the biggest event each year that people step their game up massively for it and I'm going to need to do that as well to get anywhere near winning it or a medal. You started 2020 with several races in February and March before Covid and lockdown hit. How did it affect you both on and off the bike? Um, Yeah it was it was a proper weird one like 2019 coming into 2020 there was a whole lot of stuff just kind of like my riding wasn't going as well as I would have liked to it to have done. Like there was a lot kind of happening. I was like, um, yeah, it was all just a bit kind of like a hard, a hard time. Like, and I didn't really, like, I wasn't getting the results that I was wanting, but like my training wasn't as good as I would have liked to it to have been. But coming into 2020, the, the first few months, it was like, obviously we went out to Canada track worlds and I didn't, I, I think I was like fifth, sixth and seventh in the pursuit kilo and scratch, which again, it's not 
not results that I was kind of wanting, but looking back at it, the, the training that I was doing in the lead up to it wasn't kind of quality training. There was just like a lot of distractions and stuff kind of going on. But I like coming into 2020, obviously, yeah, we had that. And then not long after we got back from that, we all we all went into lockdown um, and I was able to kind of sort out everything that had had been kind of like affecting my training essentially. Um, and in lockdown, I, I, I went back up home to my parents in Scotland, in the Highlands, and that was like, it was really nice to be able to just enjoy riding again. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was, to, to begin with, obviously I was still following the training that I was meant to be doing because the games were still happening. But then when we found out like that the games were postponed, it was like there was a period of time where you kind of just sitting moping about the house going, well, I don't really kind of know what I'm training for. Like there's obviously as as cyclists, the racing's the bit that we enjoy doing. The training can get like monotonous and tedious at times. Um and that had been taken away. So I was kind of going, like, what am I doing basically? But it was really good being able to just kind of like strip it all back and enjoy, like ride for enjoyment again. Like I was going out on my mountain bike. I was just going out for long days, kind of like I didn't really have any training and I was just kind of doing what I felt like on that on the day. Um, and the fact that the weather was amazing, it just made it so much easier. And I was able to just keep the fitness really high whilst still enjoying myself riding. Mm-hmm. And then toward the end of like the lockdown period when I came back to Manchester I was I felt kind of ready to kind of kick on again but again then then quite quickly it changed again just because I was in like after spending so much time outside and on the road bike you then come into the velodrome which like at times it can be such a like claustrophobic environment um and there was again my train like on the track you kind of do an effort and you come off and you kind of like look through times and quite often it's getting worse and worse what your times are. And it, again, it was just getting a bit kind of like it was it was in, in, in October, I was just like, I don't need to be, don't need to be in Manchester. So I was just I just packed my van full of stuff and then just drove out to Drona for six weeks, which that did me the world of good. Like that, like from that point and since then it's just been like getting out and doing a quality six week block of just like riding. And just get, get do, doing long hours and just getting fit again. It's like from that, yeah, it was just like such a um, good choice from my part. Because then, yeah, coming back, I was then able to properly kind of focus and then go, right, it's however many months till Tokyo. I know what I need to do to kind of get to Tokyo, essentially. And it was like the Girona trip that kind of got me to that next step and provided me that like launch pad to get, the 2021 results into the games obviously you said that you were selected to uh, go to Tokyo in 2020 how did you feel when you found out that you were gonna get to go to the Paralympics in 2021 it was it was mental like um again in 2020 they hadn't actually like officially kind of confirmed who was going so it was quite it was quite good the people like the people that had been to Rio they were kind of a lot more like hit than I was because I didn't really know what I was missing out on essentially. But yeah, so 2021, I knew that I was in good form, but everyone was on good form and you just have no idea what the squad's going to look like, who's going to go. Obviously there's always the chat of, oh, I think this person's going to go. I think this person's going to go. 
and I was just like, I, I had no idea what what like I I meddled in Road Worlds in the lead up to it, which I think helped me out massively. Um, and then coming back, it was just a whole kind of like nervous waiting game. Basically, there was so much time of kind of just sitting about waiting. And I remember like the day the day that I found out I had a rest day, which really wasn't good because I was just like I was just kind of rocking back and forth in my chair the whole day. Um, like I wanted to kind of go out and ride basically to take my mind off it. And I don't think it was till like eight o'clock at night that we actually found out, which was again when you know that you're finding out on that day, waiting till like eight is just the worst thing ever. Um and it was an email as well. So I was kind of like refreshing my emails every, all day, just kind of like sitting waiting for it. Um and then when I finally got it, it's like oh, I don't want to read it. I don't want to read it like <laughs> the but then <laughs> you then kind of open it and you and there's just like at that point I was just kind of like sitting staring at my phone and I was just like I, I didn't know what to do basically. The I called my parents. It was like yeah, it was like I was speechless. I was like look, going. It was such a like an amazing amazing achievement to even just be selected for the team, and yeah, like. I remember it like it was like it was yesterday, but it was just like such a kind of mental mental day. You won two silver medals there and set a new world record. Before we talk about the races, can you tell me about what traveling out to Tokyo was like with the COVID restrictions? Yeah, so essentially, um, in the lead up to it, whilst we were at holding camp in Newport and everything. Well, I mean, to be fair, even before the whole holding camp situation, everyone was just so nervous about getting COVID because it was kind of at that point where if you get it now, like you're not going to the games essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so you were basically just, it was originally like the first lockdown, you were just kind of like hiding away in your house, only going out to ride, basically doing anything you can to limit limit the risk of, of getting ill or getting COVID. Um, and it wasn't until we got to holding camp that you could like relax a bit, but it was still a case of like you don't really know if anyone's brought it into the holding camp mm-hmm. or and that whole two week period that was again that was that was amazing. But um going to going to Tokyo again, it kind of on the flight everyone was like proper nervous again. Um we were just trying to limit limit the risks of ev- like anyone catching it. It was such a cool experience being able to fly out in business class as well, although we weren't really able to take advantage of like the alcohol. <laughs> um, it was just more getting to like lie down and be able to like sleep on the plane. But yeah, no, again, um, we land in Tokyo and everyone in the airport were having to do like COVID tests, but it's ones that like you're spitting into a tube basically, which was disgusting. Like you're not like the ones here where you kind of get it stuck up your nose. It was kind of, you had to, spit to a certain level in a tube and take it to someone and I, I feel sorry for whoever was testing it because it's just amazing like the and god knows what they were doing with it but like yeah essentially we had to give that in all COVID documents were like checked everything everything um and then we weren't allowed to let leave until everyone had had their results back from the like spit test essentially and then we all travel on the bus straight from there to our accommodation in the track. And again, we weren't allowed to kind of like, st- well, not like weren't allowed. We didn't 
we didn't want to stop, but also we weren't really allowed to stop anywhere on the way because obviously it's like a COVID risk and we were only allowed in the country 10 days before our first race. Um, so we all, like all the track lot, we all came out and then get to the village. And again, I don't really know what like a normal, a, a normal games experience, like to me, that is a normal games experience because that's the only one I've been to. But each morning we were having to, like the first thing we had to do was spit into a tube every morning and take it to these people that had tested it. And again, I feel horrendous. Like, I feel so bad for them that they were getting like hundreds of like just like tubes of spit each morning and having to kind of like test that. But that's kind of what our testing was. And then we go to the food hall, obviously, we had to wear masks at all times. Go to the food hall, there'd be like a screen that would take our temperature and we weren't allowed in unless it was kind of a certain one, which it was like it was an uphill walk to the food hall. So, quite often people were quite quite tired by the time we got to it so there was times where people were having to like cool down a little bit before going in but um and then going in at the tables it was kind of there was like six people to a table but there was like big plastic kind of walls to kind of protect mm. each other um and it was yeah it was again it was all pretty pretty mental from that um aspect but and again even even the riding out on the road that we were we were doing we were only allowed to do one route which was from the track accommodation to the track to the track itself which was a downhill and an uphill which and it was like they were brutal climbs <laughs> um and like it was nice the first time you did it but then you kind of got you got tired of it the like and we weren't allowed to stop at all anywhere on route we always had to have a car behind us following us like and the coaches had to give the police notice like a day or two in advance of who was doing what riding. And it was just, it was all just so chaotic. And I'm glad I wasn't kind of in charge of sorting all that side of things out. But it was the whole, co- like the whole COVID aspect. It was, was a bit of a shame that we weren't able to kind of see Japan after the racing and everything. But it was... It, like the fact that the event happened was like a good thing like that's that's the main thing and the fact that we were able to race was was the kind of best thing let's start on the track and setting a new world record in the 3k pursuit tell me about that event and your silver medal yes um again coming coming into the games i think the track was the kind of one that i was not as confident about as the as the road, um, as obviously, like, in my mind was a whole, like, Appledorn situation. And I was just, in in the whole kind of year lead up, I basically changed how I'd ridden the pursuit because I used to, like, I don't know why I did it, but I used to go out just as hard as I could and basically just try hang on and I just never was able to hang on. But I basically, like, relearned how to ride a pursuit so I was able to actually, like, pace it and ride to a split. And then in holding camp, uh, again, it was, it was like speaking to people that had gone to Rio and they were like, oh, when you get in, when you get into the games kit, it just like that extra kind of feeling it gives you is just unbelievable. Like in the game skin suit, just the speed that it gives you is just mental. And I was kind of going in like, what if it doesn't? Like what, what if I'm the one that I kind of go in and I just don't go as well as I thought? But the minute I got in it, I was like, I know exactly what people are talking about. And my my PB coming into holding camp was a 331. And 
in holding camp, I did a 326, which had equaled the world record. And I was like, right, okay, yeah, we're we're good. Maybe, maybe with someone on the other side of the track to kind of get the wind going and a number on my back, I'll be able to do like a 24. And I then get to get to Tokyo in my like again in my head. I previously if there was someone on the other side of the track, I'd get drawn into a race and just go out and try catch them. And it would never end well. Like I would always like blow my doors off and like I'd never catch them. So I didn't even want to kind of know there would like, I didn't look at the guy on the other side of the track once before the race. Cause I was just like, I knew that I didn't like, I didn't want to kind of get drawn into a race. And I was saying to my coach, if like, I don't want to rely on it, but if I get a catch or if I'm kind of getting close to the guy, basically shout and then we started we started the pursuit I was riding I didn't look up didn't look up once until the halfway point where I looked up at the lap board and I was like flipping neck that's the quickest I've ever done like that <laughs> like I thought like when I looked up I thought I was going to see like 10 or 9 laps to go but to see like 6 laps to go you're like yeah flipping neck right we're on we're on a good one here um and then head back down and then the next lap the coach shouts like heads up um so i then like was able to get get the catch and then kept going and then cross the line and to do to do a 319 was like i would never have kind of like dreamed of that coming into the games i think coming into the games i was kind of if i can do a 20 like i've been trying so long to go sub 30 and then i've just gone and then gone sub 20 it was just like again I didn't when I saw the time I was like flipping it like that was that was like class but again I knew obviously there was the kind of initial celebration and then I knew when I was back in tracks like center you don't like obviously the pursuit you can go as well as you you, you can only go as well as you can you don't really know what other people are going to be able to do and coming into the whole like event, I th- I thought it was going to be Jacko and the Australian guy that was going to be the gold final, because the, the Aussie was like he he was world champion at the time, um and and I knew that Jacko was going to be like the one to beat essentially because in training each time in Manchester when we were doing like hit outs he was always catching me, so I knew that he was going to be the one to beat. So I saw him. Um, it would have been nice if he like maybe waited until the final to kind of break the world record because then I would have had it for a bit longer. <laughs> um, still, being able to have the world record for about five minutes was was a nice kind of, like, achievement that I just never thought that I was going to be able to do, essentially. Um, and then Jack went into first and then I was watching the Australian and quite quickly I realised it was going to be me in the gold, gold final, essentially. And it was like, that's, like... Again, f- my goal for the track was to get a bronze. Like, if I could get into a bronze ride-off and win a bronze and do what I didn't do in Appledorn, it was, like, an achievement. And it was kind of, like, I thought that getting into the gold-silver for Tokyo at that point in time would have been too far of a push. Like, for Paris, it was obviously the goal. But for Tokyo, I was like, there's still a bit, like, too much of a jump to kind of do to get to that. But then when I realised the Aussie had qualified third it was like that's like at that point it's like I've just gotten like you know you've got a medal um and it's such such a relief but then 
quite quickly you're then like right I've got another race to kind of prepare for and it was such a kind of I think it was only about two hours or something we had in between and I was trying to like force food down myself it was a kind of like it was it was a horrendous experience trying to get food down and going like again like I was just sitting with Jacko in between calling finals and we were just kind of like like chatting and everything and it was just like it's it's nice being able to race your teammate in the final because you know again it's like you've been training you know like um it's not like you're losing out on a gold medal if you don't kind of win it essentially but again going into the final I knew that he was the one like he'd gone two and a bit seconds quicker than than me in the in the qualies but I was looking looking at the splits with my coach quickly before before the race and it was like it's going to be too hard to kind of go out for a catch and try catch like early on because he's got a quick start. But in the final kilo in the qualifying, I had like, I made up quite a bit of time on him in the final kilo. So I was basically just banking on he was going to die off in the final kilo. And I was hopefully not going to die off as much as him. But like, obviously his would have been as well. But when we started, my legs were just screaming at me and there was just like, and and I got into the rhythm, but I think I, I I wasn't able to kind of start start as quickly as I wanted to. But then in the last coming into the last kilo, I was like, he's not caught me yet, so that's a good thing. <laughs> so I kind of had a quick look up just to see where he was, because obviously at that point it is a race against the person on the other side of the track, and I was like, it's a lot closer than I was expecting. So I then put in a big kind of dig to try bring it back, which I did a bit, but then I just like died in the last lap, mm-hmm. but. I think it was like a second in between, but it was like again coming up, coming away with a silver medal and being able to do two really good times on the track was like it was such a such an amazing amazing experience and it definitely settled the nerves for the next couple of races. You competed in the time trial and finished fourth, just a few seconds away from bronze, and then in the road race you finished second and got another silver medal how would you sum up your whole experience of Tokyo 2020? Amazing like again obviously in the time trial I was I was coming into it I'd I'd, I was at the track as a reserve for team sprint which um, unfortunately I didn't get to ride in but they smashed out of the park Um, and then for the time trial I again it was like time trial and isn't my kind of strongest event um I was kind of like going into it going I'll put in the best best ride I can and then if other people beat me then fair enough but when it was that close to a medal it took me a lot longer to kind of come to terms with that like I don't think I've cried so much my like I, I crossed the line and I was like well essentially Ben Ben started behind me and he caught me and I was like, oh, I'm having a stinker. But then quite quickly, I was like, no, he might actually just be on a really good day, which he was. So I quickly got back, like flicked the mind. Like, no, I need to kind of, I keep going. And then, yeah, cross the line. I didn't know kind of where I finished. And then one of the Swannies runs over and goes fourth. And it's like, it's less than three seconds. And then at that point, it's just <laughs> the waterworks started. <laughs> it's like a ta- like cr- like towel over the head, and it was just. I think because it was so close, it just made it so hard. Like if it was like twenty seconds or thirty seconds, 
it was like, yeah, right, fair enough. But three, like three seconds ago, well, if I'd like come off the brakes at this point around the corner or had stayed out of the saddle for a slight bit longer, it's just like, it's so easy to overanalyze. Um, but I think everyone on the squad cried at some point that day because obviously Ben had won, he was crying. Steve and Adam, they, they, they were kind of favourites going into their race and unfortunately ended up crashing and they were they were they came back into the pits crying i was crying coach like it was just it was just a lot of tears um but it's like having that squad around you to be able to kind of like get you up and ready for the next race again and the road race again the road race was the one that i was i think coming into was the one i was kind of most confident about just because i'd gotten the bronze from from the road worlds um and that was my like like it's a bit like mountain bike racing where you're racing against others and you kind of are able to know how you're doing within the race and the morning of it we woke up and it was like chucking it down the rain and all the heat training that we'd done was <laughs> for nothing I said like not for nothing but it was kind of like for what we prepared it was completely the opposite um and I was like I was driving to it going oh this is just horrendous. I, like I didn't, I, I didn't come to Tokyo to get rained on and like all that kind of like. I was being such a kind of like mourner in the morning, but then quite quickly it was like, no, actually, this could actually help us because obviously being from the UK, we're used to rain. And straight away in the race, we were able to realise that it didn't coming from the UK. We were able to like make gaps in the descents because no one was as confident like going down around the corners and everything. And then it got to the point where me, Ben and Jack were like having, having us three in the race, it was just class, like, because we were able to use it to our advantage essentially and just keep keep hitting. It got to the point where the goal was for one of us to win, essentially. Like, it didn't really matter who it was. It was always just like one of them, one of us will kind of, one of us were going to win it coming into it. So me, me Ben and Jack, we kind of keep counting. And Ben's the one that get, then gets away. So we then... Like just shut that down. He goes, and then we're looking at about each other. Our our categories is such negative racing, so you kind of um, know if someone gets away, they're gonna stay away. So Ben gets a good a good gap, and then I get to the po- point where it's like I know that I can I can go, and then I would then went and I was trying to like I was trying to bring Ben back, but again I was I was trying to get the the motorbike, and they were basically telling me the gap and just. It wasn't coming down at all. Um, he was flying, but again, to bounce back from the time trial day and finish the games with another silver, it was like it was something that I, I never would have never would have dreamed of coming into it. Like at my first games to get two silver medals was something that I just wouldn't have expected. I was kind of coming to not take part, but just like see what it was like almost. And if I could have come in away with like one bronze, I would have been like over the moon with that, but to come away with two silvers and a five minute world record was like something that I was never expecting. You've had an amazing start to 2022. Let's talk about the British National Track Champs at the start of March. How did it feel to be part of that? And did it feel like things were finally getting back to normal? Yeah, yeah. Um, coming into the track, nationals again i i didn't know how i was going what i was doing i'd not really been on been on track much and when i had it not been like long effort so i was kind of 
coming into it going, um, if I could kind of equal my before games PB or get kind of close to that time, I'll be happy. Um, but being able to kind of go sub 30 for the first time out of games kit, just kind of, it gave me so much confidence for not doing that much kind of track training for it. It was like, oh, it was really nice to have been able to have gone gone that speed and come away with the 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 uh, IP nationals. And then in the kilo as well, it was like, I'd, I'd not done a kilo for a while, but I forgot kind of how much it hurt. The minute I left the gate, I was like, I want this to be over now. <laughs> like, it's not not a nice experience. Um, and yeah, the but no, again, to, to come away from from the track nationals with three three national champs jerseys is is amazing. And to see the kind of like see more people kind of take part in the power races as well. It's class to see. Um, but then yeah, no, definitely the fact that there was more people in track center was actually there was a good crowd. It was nice to see that covid was like not gone but life was back to normal essentially and being able to kind of yeah being able to do racing again with with crowds and with with other people was class you don't just compete in paracycling events you've also had some good results regionally in circuit racing this year does this help with your training yeah, yeah, massively. Um, and it's something I've kind of done from day one. I've always wanted to kind of keep the racing in. Um, I, I do, like over the winter, I'll do track leagues in Manchester. Um, and then, yeah, I did uh, Eddie Sowens like towards the start of the year. And that that was the hardest race I've ever done. Like it was, it was just nails, but I knew that it was kind of going to do me good. But again, whilst you're in it, you're just going, what am I doing? Like, this is just stupid. <laughs> like, it's so fast and so hard, but I was able to kind of get round and get um, 30th or something like that. I can't remember. But um, in a field like that, I was kind of really happy with that. But I'll do like weekly crits, like weekly time trials, um, just stuff to kind of keep the, keep the training there. Like, but vary and kind of intensity vary and it just keeps keeps it fun as you're not kind of constantly doing the same thing going out riding by yourself and just kind of like doing it doing the efforts just smashing yourself you're just getting to kind of like mix it up and add a kind of competitive scenario to it as well the world cup races started in may in ostend in belgium yep. first up was the tt and you won tell me about that race yeah um again t- coming into it like I knew that I was I knew that I was going well as I'd been doing a couple of like tens locally and I knew that I was kind of like the power and the time was what I was what I was after and I was doing doing some good numbers. Um but again coming into like in training you just again you're you're kind of you can be happy with it, but then when you actually go into a race scenario, you never know how other people are gonna like compare to you like the the guy that's world champion for time trial in our category, he never actually got to go to the games. He never got picked. So we knew that he was going to kind of be coming into the World Cups basically kind of with a point to prove because he was like, I've not gone to the games and I should have basically. Um, so coming into Ostend is, again, it's a pan-flat course with a couple corners and the French guy basically, he he slapped off on the only left-hander. He ended up, like, crashing, which, again, you look at and go, like, the kind of emotions clearly got the kind of better of him. But being able to 
being able to do that and get take the win. It was like after four or five years of trying. And again, looking back at all the kind of the progression that I've made going from eight minutes off the win to being able to win was again like I I didn't didn't expect that at all. And it was such such a kind of nice confidence booster for the races that then followed. So next was the road race and another brilliant win for you. How did the race go and how did that win feel? Um, good, yeah. Again, um, it's always nice having having a teammate in the race because you can kind of use it to a bit of your advantage. So we were kind of going into it knowing that we were the strongest in the race because obviously the time trial results and the, like, the technical bit brought you out onto a bit of a tailwind. So we were kind of wanting to try attack into the technical section and get get a gap into the tailwind, which we kept trying, but nothing nothing was able to kind of properly stick. But then it got to toward the end of the race, and I was like, I was I was confident in winning a sprint, but I was just like, oh, I'll just give it one more dig. Like I dropped back the car and was basically asking the coach, just like we've tried stuff. What like one more try? What can I do basically? And they were just kind of like hit it hard and go for longer basically so at the dead turn it was into a headwind and I basically just kind of came from the back of the bunch slung it in the gutter and then just like was able to get a gap from that and then it was basically essentially just a TT to the finish and I knew from that point again from previous races if anyone gets away they're they're staying away because our group are just the laziest bunch of people in the world like they're happy to fight for whatever position is kind of left essentially um but then to have been in that in the race as well to kind of protect it and like close down any moves that were going but um yeah basically just all, all out tt to the finish and it was like again winning doing the doing the double again after being so far off the first year to be able to kind of win the tt and the road race it's kind of such a nice nice thing to be able to say it's the first world cup that i went to i've kind of finally kind of like completed it and yeah just such a nice nice result to start the season essentially then you traveled to germany and the weekend started with an uphill tt you did another raid race and took the win that's such an incredible two weeks of racing how did you feel to be wearing the world cup leaders jersey yeah, again, that's like in the in the time trial, it was it was an uphill t- and there was a lot of there was a lot of talk as to kind of like what bike to do it on, what whether to do it on a road bike or a TT bike, and there was a lot of kind of debating. Um, and there was people that did it on road bike, but I was definitely kind of glad I did it on a TT bike. But again, it's like during the TT, you just have no idea how you're going compared to others. Like you you've got like you can catch your minute man but there might be someone up the road that's doing the same and everything. And it's just, you have no idea how you're going, but to cross the line and get told that I've, I've won it. It was, again, it was like a, a massive relief. And it was, again, it was such a hard time trial doing, doing an 18K climb. It was just like, it was horrendous. And then in the road race, again, it was like, at that point I was kind of like, I was confident, like I was really confident, but it was kind of, my results had backed up that confidence. It wasn't just like me when I started, just kind of walking in with like a big head going like, I'm going to win everything. Like I was, <laughs> like, 
I was I was confident, but I knew like the results had backed up that. So I was kind of like it was a really short, it was only like 40k or something. So it was a really short race. And it was it was basically just like a, a city centre crit essentially, um, with an out and back. And coming into it, it was like the first lap, it was it was starting really hard and kind of we, we were just like going going really hard. And then I think coming into like the first corner on the second lap. Ben followed me in and basically just let let me go essentially. And I I looked behind and I was kind of like, I didn't really want to go that early, but it's happened now. So I need to kind of just like, and it was a completely different effort to Belgium because it was so much further out from the finish. I was basically just riding, like riding the tempo because again, I knew that they weren't going to bring me back. Uh, But if they did, I wanted to have some like in, in reserve to be able to kind of, up it so that they didn't bring me back so I was just kind of like riding within myself essentially but then yeah being able to kind of cross the line with your hands in the air wearing the leader's jersey is like again it's it's an amazing amazing achievement and like such a cool experience. You got to do your first European Championships at the end of May in Austria you did the time trial and the road race and you won the road race and you're now European champion. Tell me about the race and how it felt to stand on the top of the podium. Yeah, um, again, that was such a, like it was an amazing kind of week week with the squad. It was a kind of sm- slightly smaller squad that we had out, but it was such such good atmosphere. Everyone's just kind of like bouncing off each other. Um, and then coming into the TT, it was I'd messed up royally because I was like I think the day or two before I'd seen my start time, but it had changed. But I like. I, I, I knew that it had changed for the tandems, but I didn't quite calculate that it had changed for me as well. So I was doing my warm-up on the turbo and with five minutes to go before my race, I thought I still had plenty of time. The commissaire comes over and it's like, your start's in five minutes. And I was like, oh, for goodness sake. So I didn't have time to like put overshoes on or anything. Mm. Um, and I now realise the kind of importance between having a bit of a break between a warm-up and an effort because like warm-ups are actually quite hard. So the first lap felt awful. It was proper windy. I got blown off the track, got blown into a field and had to kind of like pick my bike up out of it and kind of get get going again. Um, and I ended up losing to the world champion. Um, but again, it's kind of like you look at it and go, these things happen. But then the road race again, I knew that out of that bunch, I was definitely the, the best road racer out of them. Um, and in, in the race, the German guy who who came second we were kind of riding together for most of it um we started again it's normally we'll kind of start within our categories so like the other categories don't really interfere with our racing but we started with the c4s and fives in this race so it was basically just like who can whoever can stay with them for the longest to win essentially because they're they're the the quicker ones so it's basically just a fight to stay at the front for as long as possible but then a crash a crash happened and it kind of the six of the like fastest guys got away, which was really annoying because I wanted to kind of, I wanted to be with it. So I then ended up in a group of three more able riders and someone else in my category. And to be fair, it didn't really help me that much because I, I kept attacking up the climb, but then the three riders that were more able kind of basically brought the German back to me. So I wasn't able to like, they were kind of interfering with our race almost, which was a bit annoying. Um, so I then got to the point where 
I don't really like need to be riding with these guys. I don't really mind. So I was kind of following following them into the corner with the guy in my category on my wheel and basically just letting the wheel go and making him chase back onto them if he wanted to be be with them, which I kept doing and they kept, like it tired him out. But then toward the end of the race, we'd lapped a bunch of riders, but then really close to the finish they then tried to kind of like unlap themselves and I could just tell that it was going to turn into like chaos because quite often it does in power racing you've got people with like one arm and one leg kind of floating about all over the place like um but I I they tried to unlap themselves which are straight away I was like I'm able to use that to my advantage basically like there was riders up the road and I was able to use it as a bit of a launch pad on the last lap to kind of use and then sprint round and um, able to kind of get get away from the guy and then being able to again win win the road race after the TT the day before it was kind of a nice like confirmation of yeah like being able to come away with a jersey like it's it's always it's always a bonus and it being a European champs jersey just makes it even better. What races do you have coming up for the rest of 2022? The next para races are in August, which are in Canada. We've got a World Cup followed by a World Champs the weekend after. So that'll be, I'm looking forward to that. Um, hopefully get some good results in it again. It'd be like such an unreal like season if I was able to like win win Worlds. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's a World Champs and people kind of step the game up massively for it. So I know that it's going to be going to be hard and I'm going to like, be tested but I, I want to kind of I'll put in as much work as I can to get that but then we've got track worlds in October in Paris um which again that'll be that'll be a good like first kind of big race back since since the game so it'll be nice to kind of get back on track and just again kind of use it as a bit of a benchmark in in the lead up now to the Paris games but um up until that point I've been doing I've entered my first Nat B, which I'm just I know that it I'm I'm not getting around. <laughs> like the I'm doing open cough, which I've been told is just so hard. So I'm looking forward to kind of waking up really early for a 9 a.m. start and then get spat by 10 past nine. So <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um hope, nah, to be fair, hope, hopefully I'll be able to kind of hang on for for a bit of time. But again, I know that it's just gonna like it's good, it's good training. And then not the actual Otley, but it's like the third cat Otley I'll be going to do, just kind of doing doing A B races to kind of just just test myself and um yeah, just in like doing racing where the result doesn't really matter and just able to kind of like enjoy it to as yeah, again as much as you can. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Um I, I want to cycle for as long as possible. Um, I think I've got such a good, like, getting paid to kind of do what you love. It's like, you can't complain. This point in five years, I would like to definitely be world champion in something. And mm. I would like to be Paralympic champion in something. Um, who knows what that is, whether that's road or track, but it's like, I think, again, just still still be enjoying it I think that's the main thing like I got into it because I enjoyed it and I'm going to kind of do it until that enjoyment kind of goes because then the minute that stops you're then like it's a chore and you're kind of waking up and can't really be bothered going out training and stuff so yeah no it's just 
I hope to be in five years' time at least a world champion. And then, yeah, maybe, maybe a gold at a Games or we'll, we'll see. Where's your favourite place to ride for fun? Um, I do like, like, I've just spent a week at home and getting out on the kind of like local mountain bike jumps. It's like, it's so much fun just being able to kind of like go mess about with your mates up there. Um, like when my brother, he's like, just, and my dad is like, just being able to go and like, just ride with no kind of stresses or like worries of like being able to like do these numbers or just being able to kind of like, yeah, just go, go and ride for fun when the weather's nice. But I think on the road bike, I've been out to Girona a couple of times and that's definitely the nicest place that I've ever kind of like ridden. Like there's just so much, so much to do, so many different, different kinds of riding to be done. And yeah, it's, it's definitely the nicest place that I've ridden. Who's your favourite current rider? Um, I don't know. Um, it'll probably be between like, uh, well, go Van Aert. Who's your favourite rider of all time? Uh, I think like probably I I probably got into riding watching like Cav when he was at his best. Yeah. I think like at that point it was like yeah it's kind of like I still really enjoy watching him but now the kind of performance that Van Aert's able to do is like yeah well but I think Cav's probably definitely definitely up there and again I know it's kind of controversial but Lance Armstrong what he did it was kind of like it's at at the time you didn't know what he was doing but it was like. He was definitely one of my favourite riders. What's your advice for young riders? Um, I think again, what what I was saying saying a minute ago, like, and just enjoy it. Like, there's too many people kind of putting too much pressure on themselves too early. Like, if you do it and from and enjoy it, like the 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 rewards will come at some point. Like, it might take it might take a while, um, and. You might not even like be racing, but just like I got into cycling for enjoyment, just to kind of like do with your mates, and I think that that's the main thing. Just kind of even to start with, just get out with with your mates, just enjoy riding. You'll find kind of what what your favorite kind of discipline is, and then from there, if you want to go down the racing route, then you can do that. But again, it's kind of not putting not putting too much pressure on yourself too early, and knowing that that if you like obviously yes yeah, you've got to work hard for it but the results will will come at some point if you kind of put the work in but I think yeah in, in enjoying it's definitely the the main thing that you need to be able to do to do it for a long time you've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race what's on your playlist to get you motivated um let's have a look I can... Again, I don't really listen to like it. Kind of varies quite a lot. Let's see what's on. Um, what is like stuff like Kanye West, um, like a lot of kind of like EDM dancey kind of music. Uh, him, there's some Beyonce in. H M and M, a lot of different kind of like yeah. It it like I don't really like. I'll only have my headphones on actually on the turbo because if I'm like list like I like actually like speaking to people like it kind of calms me down a bit before actually like I'll have 20 minutes of listening to no music before the race just because otherwise I'll like overthink what I'm about to do and yeah I kind of like going in relaxed and being able to speak to people is definitely kind of the relaxing bit but yeah no when I'm when I'm on the turbo I'll listen to kind of like music that will kind of get me get me in the mood for 
quite going hard hopefully <laughs> thanks so much for joining me today Finn no worries thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure a massive thank you to Finn for talking to me and good luck to him for everything that he does in the future if you enjoyed this episode please give me a review on Apple Podcasts it's great to hear what people think of my podcasts I'd love it if you'd check me out on the GCN app. You can find me by searching Cycling Talk. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. See you on the bike.